This is AEW superstar, former AEW world tag team champion, Swerve Strickland, the mogul himself. Whose house? Swerve's house. And you are listening to the awesome, sick, electric, amazing Wrestle In. Hello and welcome to On The Indies, where there's so much indies happening and we're really excited. Agreed. I'm MX Sharp and I am joined by my wonderful co-host. Adam Ryan and MX, we have a ring a ding dong dandy of an episode today. There is so much to be excited about on the indies right now. A lot of crazy stuff has happened. Yes. And a lot of just like straight up fun stuff. And and there continues to be fun stuff happening. It's just, it's great to be an independent wrestling fan, to be honest. There is so much going on between Ali, which we'll get to. Oh, we will GCW, get to. GCW, uh, Revolver doing some wild cards coming up in the spring, you know, in February, March, and April. The Collective, there's just so much so much fun going on speaking of fun mx yes yes i sent you a match to watch you, you did and you, it was one indeed. of the, <laughs> the most amazing and spectacular and violent matches i've ever seen so we have to talk about this right <laughs> off the top <laughs> <It's> called... <laughs> tell the people about this match adam it is called a watts in the box match and this happened for Smash Wrestling's Any Given Sunday 10, which was back on January 14th, if my notes are right. Please bear in mind that it was in January. That will come up later. Yes. And then here's the thing. Like, Smash, they'll put their... They don't put their stuff out live. They'll record it, and then they'll put it up on their YouTube channel about a week or two later. So we watched it on, you know, a couple weeks delay. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it on our last episode. But this... This match was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I have not laughed this loud at a match in so long. First of all, I think I want to. I, I think I want to start this out by giving a shout out to the um, the commentary booth for this show. Mm -hmm. um, I cannot express to you how exhausting it is to listen to commentators who will not sell for goofiness mm -hmm. to save their lives, and these. These commentators sold the hell out of this match. <laughs> they it, they it was did. really impressive. They did. It was a uh, commentary team. I think it was Casey Andrews was the was the play by play was the lead announcer, and I forget Blake something. Blake, uh, yeah, Blake something. I forget his last name. Yeah. Uh, he was he was filling in for one of the other for like the normal. Well, he was great. Uh, commentator Scott Hunter. Right. Uh, normally those. Those cards they run in the London Music Hall, it's like Casey Andrews and Scott Hunter on commentary. So I don't know where Scott Hunter was, but those guys, but I'm telling you, the, the, that commentary team just absolutely, they made everything sound like a million dollars in this match. They, they added to it because sometimes commentary teams can distract from a match, right? Oh my God. It's one of my biggest gripes about wrestling in general, actually, is how much commentary uh teams refuse to stop ruining the thing that i'm watching <laughs> but but these guys were totally into it they sold everything they played along with everything they just they got in they got into it as well they were just they added to the match so much and i and i think just their deadpan canadian humor just was so perfect for this it was brilliant it was brilliant okay so, so let's uh let, let us let us set to the scene here yes let's do that so we've got Charles Crowley, who's like 
I don't know how to describe him. He's like a weird carnival type guy. He's like an evil ringmaster, I would say. Yes, like an thank evil you. master of ceremonies. Thank you. Yes. That's a good way good way to put it. Yeah. And then we've got Psycho Mike, who is just completely off his off his rocker as as the name might suggest <laughs> this guy this guy he had a hell of a weekend okay mm-hmm. so the night before at any given saturday uh which was in toronto he wrestled judas icarus right he defended the smash wrestling title just against judas icarus and you know the you know that rule in wrestling matches where both competitors have to be on their feet before the bell can ring uh yes okay they worked a whole match around, a whole 20 minute match around that, where neither man got to their feet and the bell didn't ring until like, I don't know, right towards the end of the match. Uh-huh. And then the, the official match time was six seconds. That's, um, that's really fun, actually. I love that. I love stuff <laughs> they, like that. Like, they, they, they would get, one, one guy would get in the ring, one guy would throw the other guy in the ring, and then the thrower would climb into the ring, the throw E would climb out of the rings. You didn't have two, the two... You didn't have the two participants in the ring at the same time until like for like 20 minutes. And they worked a whole match around this. It was hilarious. This kind of stuff is the only thing that I care about wrestling rules for is when you do it to do something uh, ridiculous. I I love that. I love that concept. And the, and the, and the commentary team got into it too. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, well, these rules exist for a reason. We can't really ring the bell until both men get to their feet. It's a type of match that could literally never work in GCW. <laughs> oh, it, oh, true. They, GCW would just chew that thing up and spit it out and be like, no, thank you. Next, please. That's the that's the only downside of GCW's complete and utter refusal to have any rules. Right. You can't you can't do uh, fun things where you play with the rules. Exactly. So anyway, so Psycho Mike defended the Smash Wrestling title the night before in that Officially six second match. I'm making right. air quotes on my fingers, but you can't see it <laughs> because we're podcasting and kind of on a radio. Yes. But anyway, so he has that entirely exhausting match the night before. He goes into this Watson the Box match, and I want to know what your thoughts were when you first when when you first pulled this up and started watching it. God, there were just so many thoughts to think. It was, I was looking at both of them and I was like, okay, okay. And the commentary booth was really putting over that this was uh, like Psycho Mike's signature match, right? And that It, it was, is like, actually, yeah. You know, it was, it was really important. Um, I love an escalating gimmick. <laughs> and we sure did escalate over the oh, course of this Oh, did we match. ever. Did we ever? So we start. We start with you know they're just in the ring doing in the ring stuff, mm-hmm. and then and then now they decide that they must retrieve the box. And what is inside the box? More boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we start. <laughs> Oh my God! More boxes. I think <laughs> I think it's boxes. really I think it's really important for our listeners to understand that they were all wrapped in Christmas wrapping paper, and it was January in in the middle of January. By the time we got to the end of this match, I was thinking <laughs> about how long it took to assemble all of those boxes, to wrap all of those boxes. Like this was this was a labor of love folks it was, oh, I was a thinking, lot of really hard work went into this i was thinking the same thing when i was watching i was like how how many people did it take to wrap these boxes up 
Did they just like go to the local mall and have volunteers wrap them up? Were they like all in the locker room, like the whole the whole gang together having a wrapping party? <laughs> I, that would be something to envision, wouldn't it? Just everybody, all right, everybody, pitch in. We're wrapping at least two or three of these boxes up. I would love that. <laughs> the table wrapped up in wrapping paper too okay yeah that was (laughs) that was an incredible touch because they did so you know they're doing their thing and they have the boxes before we get to the table though i think it's very oh yes that we discuss uh the diabolical instruments of destruction that were in one of the boxes oh my god yes those some of the most violent some of the most violent and horrific things ever Oh my god, and they are the incredibly dangerous, incredibly mm-hmm. deadly, box full of Christmas bows. <laughs> those things yes. hurt. I, yes. I yes, paper clearly. Cut on one of those one time, those, that hurts. It, um, and here's the thing, this is where, this is where the commentary booth really, in, like, enhanced things. Because not only did they put over... Just like in in their voices and the way that they responded to things, like how dangerous, how diabolical it was mm-hmm. to have all of these bows. Not only do they do it, but then it was just like fifteen solid minutes of bow puns, <laughs> which I appreciated. I didn't know there were that many bow puns out there. It was incredible. It was incredible. Like you think wait, wait. that they would run out, and they did not. They kept it was, going. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> you're welcome thank you thank you so much um it's just so they are doing uh the bows um which are much more dangerous than thumbtacks so Mm -hmm. they do all of the classic one of them gouges the other one's eyes with the with the bows they uh slam each other into the bows they do all this stuff with the bows and then at some point they go underneath the ring in order to retrieve another very long box long and skinny box a long a long and skinny box uh which was suspiciously table shaped yeah then the commentators something say like oh that box has legs i wonder what it could be yes yeah and they call and they called it a box the whole time which was the really which was a really special touch for me they never called it a table they went through the box um it's it's all about boxes box on box, it on, is. box on box here it is oh one thing i just remember from that match too when they went to the when they fought on the stage and psycho mike got thrown into the giant box uh-huh. and he comes out with the christmas tree we have to discuss the christmas tree the <laughs> christmas tree is when this match really lit up for me um <laughs> oh my god we're even we're even now aren't we <laughs> puns too um so i loved this actually so they had you know a fake christmas tree in one of the box and they were beating each other with the christmas tree this is not the first time that we have seen wrestlers beat each other to death with christmas trees right but it's always a treat whenever we have it even if it's last Mm -hmm. christmas so they bring the christmas tree into the ring and plug the christmas tree in what could go wrong there? And so, you know, the crowd pops for it, obviously. Yes. Um, and it's like, it, it, it lights up and whatever. And of course, when the Christmas tree lights are on, what do Christmas tree lights run on? Electricity. Electric. So like everybody just gets electrocuted when they touch the Christmas tree. It was wonderful. 
I love shit like even, this. Even the referee, didn't he? Didn't he grab the tree and it was still plugged in? And he had any. Yes. Electrocuted. And the referee, the referee got a got a got a box from Psycho Mike during this match. Psycho uh -huh. Mike gave, gave him a present. Do you remember what the present was? I do not remember what the present was. Caution tape. Right, right. His referee with the caution tape. They quit the one corner of the ring. <laughs> they built like a, a a a tower of boxes in one corner of the ring, and while they were like off on the stage getting more boxes. <laughs> Uh, the the referee was putting caution tape around the boxes on the other side of the ring. <laughs> I, they built that structure, and I immediately had flashbacks to Daniel Stern in Home Alone 2 when he builds, builds the structure to climb out of the basement and it falls over the minute he gets to the top of it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was like, oh my god, they're going to do a Daniel Stern spot. It's like, nope, they... <laughs> the caution tapes the caution tape and the Christmas trees and the bows. Oh, I was like, you guys you have to see this match. You, this the, is just um, a match. It's like you have to go see. The final the final touch, of course, mm -hmm. was when the 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 referee gets taken out and it's like, you know, what's going to happen? The referee gets taken out. What's in the box? Another referee. <laughs> referee comes <laughs> running out in a box. In the box. Wrap and he can't box. get in the ring. He can't get in the ring, so he has to take himself out of the box. Yep, yep, yep. It's um, oh, this... just just incredible stuff. It really, it really, it was really indescribable. Uh, what occurred in that ring on that day? <laughs> <laughs> this this match was definitely a, this match was a good time. If you if you want to have fun watching wrestling, go watch this match. You really should. It's up for free on the Smash YouTube channel. It's any given Sunday, 10. It's the main event of the show. So yeah, definitely, definitely go watch this. Mm -hmm. I think you'll enjoy it. Does this make you want to watch more Smash? You know, I am very open to watching more Smash, uh, especially since it has the accessibility feature of being on YouTube, even if it's a mm -hmm. little bit afterwards. Um, I found a newfound appreciation for accessible wrestling when I was uh, looking up all of the matches for Mustafa Ali, um, mm -hmm. and could only access a couple of them. <laughs> I'm gonna have to send. I'll have to send you the original What's in the Box match. Yeah, I think I may have at some point, but I'll have to send you the original. Okay, all right, awesome. So it's the original. I think it's from like 2018 or 2019. It's in the same venue. It's um, Psycho Mike and Pepper Parks, which is you know, who's the Blade, right? In AEW, against uh, Dark Order. Oh man! Oh man! I bet that was good. Oh, it was. It, it kind. It kind of was. Kind of wasn't a Watson. What's in the box match? But it's kind of where this the what's in the box stuff sprung from. It's right, a right, tables, right. ladder, tables, ladders, and boxes match. I love that. I love uh, that. Actually, I gotta. I gotta check that one out. Uh, I'll send. Yeah, it, and that match is for those who are interested in that. That's up for free on the Smash YouTube channel as well. It's on. I think it's on the best of 2018 playlist. All right, so you mentioned Mustafa Ali. I sure did. I sure did. He has, so he has the world tour going on right now. So I spoke at great length last episode about Ali and how much I love him and have been so excited to see him on the indies now. And having watched through a lot of his matches so far, I, I mean that even more. All I had really seen of 
his wrestling were the sort of training videos he used to he used to post that's like the bulk of how much i've seen him wrestle and he's he's so good the matches he's been in are so good so yeah he has this he has this presidential campaign gimmick going right now and i have to say i hate presidential campaign gimmicks i hate them but this time i will allow it i'm giving him a pass for this one i think this this one works this is something he was doing in nxt before he got he had just started doing this whole thing in nxt and then like two weeks after he started he got let go i think it's really working for his vibe right now because he's kind of got this combination of the exciting baby face like he's fresh he's new and people are really excited to see him people are buying a bunch of tickets to see him but he's also really arrogant thinks a lot of himself uh is behaving very heelishly so this Mm -hmm this sort of presidential campaign world tour thing really fits that because it's like, you know, he's, he's going on the, on the campaign, right. He's trying to win over hearts and minds, all of this stuff. So he's like, he's coming in and he's so friendly to people and he's like friendly to the fans. And then after all of his matches, he puts his opponent way over. He puts the promotion way over all of this stuff. And I think that stuff, like, don't get me wrong. I think that stuff is all really genuine, but Mm -hmm. it is still tied together with a lot of his really heelish behavior because you can see in this character while he's on the campaign trail, while he's trying to get people on his side, he's arrogant. He's kind of a dick. He uh, really messes with people in their matches in the ring and, like I I love that combination and I like that it fits together in a cohesive character so far. Oh, I agree. I think the presentation for Mustavali is fantastic. I was watching Impact, what was it the last week? And mm-hmm. the Chris Saban match, the build up to that match he's doing against Chris Saban oh uh, on the twenty third at No Surrender, they did a thing where this match is sponsored by Mustafali. <laughs> and they had like the whole they had like like it was outlined in red as Chris Saban came to the ring and they had like his graphic kind of around the side of around the screen and then it, and then during the match you know it plugged his merch and things like that it's like this match is sponsored by Mustafa Ali so I think that's I think that whole thing is really cool how they're able to build something up like that without actually having him on TV yes. right now so and that's that's the match coming up that I'm really looking forward to. I know he's done a bunch of other stuff uh, on the independence right now, but like some of the stuff that he's got coming up. So he's got Chris Saban on the 23rd of February, Rich Swan on March 28th for Revolver. The next week, he's got Amazing Red on WrestleMania weekend for Revolver. And then he's got Kevin Blackwood in Prestige on April 14th. So those are the matches I'm looking forward to for uh, Mustafa Ali. Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to that Chris Saban match. Um, Me too. Even more than that. I am looking forward to, he's got a match against Hiromu Takahashi of NJPW uh, in April at Windy City Riot. It's been a while since I followed NJPW regularly, but Hiromu is my favorite New Japan wrestler. Um, He's always been my favorite. I just, I just think he's really special and I've just, he's always brought me a lot of joy. So like, 
him versus this other wrestler that I'm also really obsessed with that uh, obsessed with and they would just like their styles they would just tear it up oh my god like just thinking about it just thinking about how good that match is going to be is driving me a little crazy actually (laughs) you mentioned that before we started recording I'm like oh yeah I forgot about that match because Mm-hmm. I don't follow New Japan uh, all that closely, or honestly, you know, most of Japanese wrestling all that closely. If I see a match pop up like that, like I'm more kind of more inclined to watch the show, or or like when Moxley fought Shingo Takagi, right, on the Battle on the Valley show, and they had Okada versus Osprey. It's like okay, that's a show I'm gonna check out. And then they've got Okada's got his like farewell tour going on right now. He's got the match going on against Tanahashi. Uh, I think soon. Yeah. And then uh, there's that five on five cage match, that war games match. I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. But yeah, and then the Windy City show. So those are a couple things I've checked out. You know, I'm going to check out for New Japan. But aside yeah. from New Japan, I really don't watch much, if at all, Japanese wrestling. So, so not being on on Twitter the way that I am, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really follow anything anymore. But my friend saw this match and was like. I know that this is relevant for you. <laughs> so here you are. Um, and it is very relevant for me. So I'm really excited about that. But yeah, I just, I also really love Ali's theme music. His oh, yes, me too. That's, oh, it's so good. I think it rules. And it's, so it's just, you know, the whole package that he's got going right now. And I also really appreciate... Um, you know, after one of his matches, I think it was the one against Gringo Loco and Jack Cartwheel. He said something along the lines of like leaving WWE was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and I was like, me too, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was that the, was that the match? Uh, was that for, um, I think it was for Demand Lucha or something, wasn't it? Yes, yes, okay. I think so, yeah. And but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I appreciate. It's always kind of hard, you know, when you have a lot of wrestlers from bigger promotions kind of coming back to the indies, you know, some uh, some of them really thrive and some you can tell they're just trying to like angle their way back into the uh, quote-unquote big leagues you're right just trying to make a dollar or something like that yeah but something i appreciate about ali so much right now is that he true he well and truly wants to be here he's been wanting to be here um he's so obviously having a good time and just like wrestling people and having these great matches and it's just i'm so excited i'm so excited about it i'm so excited about him i'm like watching all of his matches that he get my hands on at this point the nice thing is too is like he's not tying himself down to one promotion yes so he's not tying himself down to tna or revolver or gcw or someplace like that like he is making the rounds he's going from he's doing like big promotions like that like i think he did like some uh smaller european promotions i mean he is just going anywhere and everywhere which is awesome i'm just really excited about him and seeing him around i'm excited about the chris saban match i'm excited about wendy city there's just a lot to be looking forward to with that one i am excited about professional wrestling and independent wrestling because like like we said at the top there's just so much going on you know we talked ali there's the gcw stuff coming up over mania weekend so they've announced a few matches for the collective spring break the main event and i mentioned i said a little bit ago i don't follow japanese wrestling which is which holds true Mm -hmm. but these are names i know from the past from like popping up in other places so like 
the main event for Spring Break, Masato Tanaka and Minoru Suzuki versus Rina Yamashka and Masha Slamovich. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, ma- ah! <laughs> Sorry. And okay, Inix's okay. head has just exploded. I'm 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 normal. I'm so normal about it. <laughs> <laughs> so so like Mas- Masato Tanaka is a you know, he's someone I remember from the original ECW. Mm-hmm. So with in his wars with Mike Awesome. Have I followed much of his recent stuff? No. So but do I remember him from ECW? Yes. And those those of you who are listening, if you've never seen Masato Tanaka versus Mike Awesome from the nineteen ninety nine November to remember, go check it out. It is well worth your time. And so is Masato Tanaka versus Mike Awesome from Heatwave ninety eight. Those are some of the most brutal matches from ECW pay-per-view mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Power bombs to the floor through tables. Pe- people, fl- you know, Mike Awesome flying over the top rope. Unprotected chair shots, which very much frowned upon these days. But you, yeah, you, I don't you get those. the you you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're, and, they're they're violent. And we all know what Rena and Masha can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've mostly seen them against each other, but they have they have one of those uh, relationships that I love in wrestling, which is like the 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 very respected rival, mm-hmm. and they come together and they're just absolutely brutal with each other, and it's exactly where they want to be, and I I just. God, I love them. I love them separately. I love them together. I'm so excited to see them working together in this match. I think it's going to be a really fun time. Case in point, their match at, uh, what was it? Cage of Survival last summer, mm-hmm. where Reno had won the, the Terminus of Survival, and then she challenged Masha for the GCW title. Yeah. In that wild and insane Cage of Survival match. One of the most insane matches I've ever seen. I have not stopped thinking about that match actually i might go back and watch it again <laughs> that's how we got to blake christian as champion yes um anyway spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it that match is a great example of what they're capable of when they're paired against each other mm-hmm. you know i'm kind of scared to think what's going to happen in this match masato tanaka and minoru suzuki so we all know what how brutal and violent he can be sometimes murder grandpa as we so yes. affectionately call him um yeah, i'm a it... huge minoru suzuki fan too i love what he does i love his in-ring presence he's always he like i always enjoy his matches hugely so it's um yeah that one's gonna be a great time i'm i'm a fan of his to a point because he for me it has to be the right opponent so Mm. thinking back a couple years ago minoru suzuki versus rhett titus from ring of honor supercard of honor not much going on there It was a five minute squash Mm. but a couple weeks ago on dynamite you had minoru suzuki versus edge and that match just i was like holy cow this is amazing so for me it has to be kind of the right opponent does that make sense yeah yeah i can get excited you know i can't get excited but minoru suzuki versus red titus 
but I can get hyped and excited about Minoru Suzuki versus Edge, for example, and then a match like this, Tanaka and Suzuki against Yamashka and Slamovich. You know, that match is just going to be an absolutely violent spectacle. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. If if the opponent is uh is is your main main focus, you can hardly right. get better opponents than those two, I think. I think I was spoiled because the last time because the first time I saw Suzuki wrestle was 2005 when he wrestled Kenta Kobashi and Noah. Uh-huh. And that's when I was kind of following Noah really closely. Uh I followed, you know, like in mid 2000s when they had Kobashi and Masawa and all those people in. So I followed Noah really closely and that was the first time I saw Minoru Suzuki. I hadn't seen any of his like MMA stuff. I hadn't seen anything before that. So I think I got spoiled because who better to be who who better to be in the ring with than Kobashi, right? Because he's one of the one of the all time greats, one of the four pillars of all Japan wrestling. Mm-hmm. So in that fact, I'm like, okay, it's like everything's kind of a step down, and you get to Rhett Titus. No offense to Rhett Titus, but I'm like, okay, so for me, it's got to be the right opponent. So right, at least logically in my head, that's kind of how I explain that away yeah fair enough and then also for spring break they announced a dragon gate usa six man some of the people i'm familiar with some of the people i'm not but it's yamato dragon kid and kzy i think that's how you say his name um dragon gate people out there feel free to yell at me if i don't say it right uh, <laughs> against shun skywalker ben k and kota minora so for me that i saw that as like okay i don't follow dragon gate but i know yamato i know shun skywalker from seeing him in revolver Mm-hmm. I've seen Yamato in like 2000s Ring of Honor and I saw him in Dragon Gate USA when I kind of watched that when that was a thing but for me I saw that match I was like okay this is kind of like a throwback to the original ROH Dragon Gate six man which set the world on fire back then and kind of like started this whole Mania Weekend madness oh yeah because that was the first that was Super Card of Honor 2006 that was the first time Ring of Honor ran Mania Weekend and then from there, just everything just kind of ballooned up. So now you've got things like Super Card of Honor, you've got GCW's Collective, you've got WrestleCon. Everything's ballooned from that one show. And oh, that one so that, that so so ROH were the ones who who started that. Yes, and That's let really me see. Interesting. If, let me see if I can find that match because I'm curious now. The mad the show is on Honor Club for those of you who are interested in going and checking it out. Uh, it was Blood Generation, so Shima, Masato Yoshino, and Naruki Doi, this is coming back to me now, uh-huh. versus Doofixer, Dragon Kid, Geki Horiguchi, and Ryo, Ryo Saito. And that was a, f- the Observer gave that five stars. Wow. So, you've got the connection there with Dragon Kid being in the original Dragon Gate match, now he's back for this uh, Dragon Gate six-man at Spring Break. So that's going to be kind of fun. It's going to introduce me to people I'm not familiar with. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And then they've got Dragon Gate coming in again for JCW. GCW versus the world facing Gringo Loco, Latico, and Arez. So I think that's a show where they're doing essentially what it is. GCW and JCW people versus all kinds of international talent. So that's, that's going awesome. to be fun. Definitely looking forward to that. And then GCW's also got their showboat return coming up. Are you aware of this? Yeah. March 9th and March 10th are the next showboat shows. And I'm. <laughs> they announced um, Nick Gage versus Ryuji Ito and Matt Tremont versus Abdullah Kobayashi. Both people I actually remember from when I was back when I mentioned I was watching Japan closely in the 2000s. Uh huh. 
so they're I believe they're from Big Japan. So they did stuff with Freedoms last year. Now it looks like they're doing stuff with Big Japan. So those and Abdullah Kobayashi, I think memory serves me correctly. He's he's incredibly violent. So Matt Tremont is a perfect person to put him against. <laughs> I love me some Matt Tremont. He's so good, and I love it when he comes out. He has that song uh, "Separate Ways" by Journey, and he just comes out, and the crowd is just going crazy and singing that song. And he's you know Matt Tremont's kind of an older older guy. I mean he was he's been around since like the 2000s but he comes out and he just starts beating the crap out of the people in these matches with light tubes and everything so it's always so much fun hey that's the name of the march 10th show so much fun <laughs> it's always so much fun for me to see a matt tremont match so yeah i'm looking forward to that and then ryuji ito i think i've seen maybe one or two matches of his i'm sure some of our friends who follow japanese wrestling a little bit closer than i can or i do can tell me can tell you more about him but as far as the few matches I've seen, I think he he's also incredibly violent. And Nick Gage, again, perfect person to put him against. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that'll be fun. And then GCW is apparently is going to debut in Rochester, which, news to me, All they're right. bringing in, looks like a Chikara reunion show with <laughs> people they've announced so far. Colin Delaney plus Cheech and Cloudy. Are you familiar with any... Colin Delaney, do you remember him from ECW? The WWE version of ECW? Um, That's pretty much where he's most famous from. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I wasn't into wrestling when ECW was a thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he was so the, I don't know. He was like the, he was like the James Ellsworth, pretty mm -hmm. much. Like, the guy they put on TV every week to get beat. Tried to get the fans behind him and whatnot, so... That's kind of how he got his, made his name, getting beat on TV every week or every other week. Mm -hmm. um, I think eventually they gave him a push or something. And then Cheech and Cloudy, I remember from Chikara. And I have a funny story about um, Cheech, right? Yeah. So I went to a Chikara show in 2010. Was it 2010? Might have been 2011. I went to two of them. I can't remember which one this was at. I think this was, this was 2010 or 2011. Sorry, I'm getting my years mixed up. Anyway, I drive drive four hours to to cleveland to see chikara right mm -hmm. why i thought that was a good idea i don't know but anyway it was a fun show anyway so we're it's intermission time and everybody's kind of doing their thing milling about they're doing pictures in the ring uh with the colony you know fire ant and soldier ant and all them people mm -hmm. so me and my buddy we go up and get our picture taken in the ring and then we're trying to we get out of the ring we get, we're walking back to our seats which i think we're like second or third row and cloudy's there <laughs> and he look he looks like hernandez for those who haven't who aren't familiar with Cloudy. He kind of looks like like smaller version of Hernandez from TNA, right? So he's got all his merch kind of like set up on the apron, on the ring apron there. He's got t-shirts and stuff. And he's like, and we're walking by him. He's like, y'all want to buy a t-shirt? And I'm like, mm, we just kind of like, kind of quietly walk away. He's like, eh, you're lost. I'm like, okay, okay, bro. <laughs> so, he's like, he's like, all right, yeah, whatever. You're lost. I was like, mm, okay. And you've, that's, you've that's regretted. That's story of Cloudy. You've regretted not buying a t-shirt ever since Cloudy was no, the, right. <laughs> the thing I regret from that show is not getting a picture taken with Tursus. Yeah. Their giant six foot eight, 300 pound Viking. Uh-huh. That guy was awesome. <laughs> that guy. I have no idea what happened to him, but he was one of my absolute favorite things about Chikara and like. 2010 2011 2012 whenever they were doing that uh bdk storyline with like claudio and Arez, Ares, Ares, a r e s was mm -hmm. was the guy's name was how it was spelled i can't remember how it was pronounced and tersus was part of that group and 
I think there was one or two. I think Sarah Del Rey might have been part of it at one point. I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But that's the one guy I regretted not getting a picture taken with. It's like, because that guy was awesome. He's, he was like full body. He was like, he was all decked in white. He was, had this giant long beard, horns sticking out of his head. I mean, this <laughs> guy was an absolute monster. I mean, he's like a horror movie villain. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I don't know what happened to him. Like he kind of just, once the BDK thing and Chikara fizzled out, he just disappeared off the face of the planet. That's so interesting too, because sometimes I'll be watching older wrestling and I'll see somebody and they'll be like really good or something like that. And it's like, why have I never seen or heard of, of this person? Like what happened to them? Exactly. That sometimes too, like I'll be, like you said, you watch, watch an old show. You're like, what, where is this person now? And you look them up and you're like, I can't go? find them anywhere. Yeah. 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 Like they've, they've disappeared off the face of the planet. So, um, one other show I want to talk about that's coming up over Mania Weekend. I've talked about this probably at length, uh, some previous shows, but Action Wrestling's Dean, right? They've started yes. announcing a few matches for it. Tell us the matches. We've got Matt Mikowski versus Arez. So I'm not familiar with Matt Mikowski, but Arez, um, you know, people will know from GCW, the guy with the eyeball and his glove. Mm -hmm. Um, and the main event, at least I think it's the main event, um, is Mad Dog Connolly versus Demas in a dog collar match. So Mad Dog Connolly is this guy. He's been wrestling, I think it's in Paradigm Pro. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Let me just um anyway, he's been doing this gimmick where he's been going around like doing dog collar matches with everybody. And Demas is the Mexican king of the dog collar matches. <laughs> so you've got the American King of the Dog Collar match versus the Mexican King of the Dog Collar match. And it's probably going to be very bloody. And Demas is a guy who's been he's very limited exposure in the States. He's wrestled mostly in Mexico. I think he's popped up on a few GCW and Impact shows here and there. Uh, but mostly he's been like for AAA and, and, and independent promotions down in Mexico like for the last 30 years. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to see what else they're cooking up. Because I know they've announced Slim J for the show. Um... I know they've got several, several other match announcements probably coming up soon between now and then. So I'm really looking forward to that. I love a good dog collar match. Okay. And so you're talking to me about the kings of dog collar matches and I am sitting up and I am paying attention and I, I'm really excited about these. Where, where will we be able to find them? Are they just going to be on YouTube? This will be on IWTV. IWTV. Well, it's great that I just re-upped my subscription to IWTV. <laughs> Same. I'm keeping it just so I can watch this show. Honestly. <laughs> Let me ask you a question then. So you said you're, you're like, what's your favorite dog collar match? Oh, man. Um, this is like a really, a really difficult topic for me, like off the top of my head. I know, I know this is not my favorite, like favorite dog collar match. I know there mm -hmm. are better dog collar matches, but I was there live for MJF versus CM Punk and like... That match brought all the girls to the yard. You know what I mean? So I would be I would be remiss if I did not bring up that match. Because watching it live in the moment and then watching the response to that match in the aftermath, like it was absolutely something special. Um And I I agree with you. That was a really, really good match. I mean that from like from if you take Punk's kind of comeback that he's had, you know, in between A&W and WWE. Mm. That's probably my favorite match he's had since he came back. That was 
one of the most incredible matches I've ever seen, and that's one of the rare AEW pay per views I ordered. I ordered it just so I could see that match. I was a good, I was a good pay per view. I had a great time. It was. I was like, I don't care about anything else in this card. I want to see this dog collar match, and it, that's the that's let me the pay per view that Swerve debuted at, and that started my complete fixation on him. <laughs> it um, was. So. It was also the pay per view with um, uh, Adam Cole against Hangman Page. Let's go, Adam. Adam sucks. Let's go, Adam. <laughs> Adam sucks. <laughs> I know. I got all confused when I was watching. I was like, they chanting about me? Yeah. Um, so let's see. What else? Um, I also... Hold on. I don't I don't want to just leave it at giving praise to CM Punk. Um, right. <laughs> um, Fair there enough. Are, <laughs> there are also some older um, dog collar matches with Mox. Uh, pre WWE baby mocks that oh, yes um, there is that are just extremely compelling to watch. So oh, God, those you just are... re- you just reminded me of one too. Oh yeah, which one? Uh, John Moxley against King Vu from HWA. Yeah, and you knew I was gonna have to sneak an HWA reference in of here. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course I did. So that they that they taped that match uh, for a TV pilot. Uh-huh. And it's up it's up on the HWA YouTube page. If you can find the HWA YouTube page that is. If only there was a, a Twitter account that discussed I know, the history right? of we'll get HWA. To that. They would probably have some information about something like that, mm, right? I wonder who might have that. <laughs> oh yeah, me. Uh anyway, so they taped this match for like a TV for it was like a pilot TV pilot for I wanna say like America One Network or something like that. And King Vu's this big you know, he's like this, I want to say he's like Keith Lee size, maybe a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just for reference. Right. Um, but he can move like crazy. I mean, he, he's a guy that's, he would do Vader splashes on people. He would just, and he just, he'd fly over the top rope sometimes. I mean, this guy, was, this guy could move. And then you got John Moxley in there and he's, he's like, like you said, he's kind of scrawny. He's got like the shaggy hair, mm-hmm. but he comes out and there's maybe 150 people there. Right. I'm being generous. <laughs> okay. You can see the back of the building, right? Yeah. So, but these guys, I mean, they go at it like there's 15,000 people there. They just beat each other bloody. They fight outside the I think they one point it goes outside the arena. At least one of them goes outside the arena before they get yanked back in by the collar. So I, it's just it's an incredibly wild, brutal match. Um, now that you mentioned, the, I forgot about that match. Yeah, one of the lovely things about Mox uh, on the Indies uh, before he went to WWE is he's always given a hundred and ten percent. That guy, he's it's not it's not a question of oh there are only X amount of people, so I'm only going to do X stuff. That's not how that is not how John Moxley works. No, it is not. Uh, well, let's not forget when we're talking about dog collar matches. Let's not forget about briscoes and ftr you know you know what's terrible i still haven't seen that match i um i i was absolutely going to watch that match and i had i fully intended to watch that match Mm -hmm. and then i kept putting it off putting it off putting it off and then what happened with jay and it made me so sad It made me so sad and depressed, so I was like, I have to wait until 
it makes me like just a little bit less sad and it hasn't happened yet like it's so devastating that hurt that hit everyone really hard when that happened and we just passed the one year anniversary of that a few weeks ago yeah yeah we did it did and i i and i had to like commemorate it so i had i wore my jay briscoe t-shirt under because i had to go to work in the office that day so i put my jay briscoe t-shirt on underneath my like underneath my sweater my zip up sweater i had i have for work Mm-hmm. And I and I was like, okay, I'm just I'm wearing this today because it's it's the anniversary of that day. Anniversary is bad word because it's the yeah. and you're supposed to celebrate things on anniversaries. But it, it was one year to point being, it's one year. It was one year to the day that happened. And, yeah, you know, I think I went back when I got home at work or after work. I think I watched a couple Jay Briscoe matches. Yeah, and I was like, and that put me in a that put me in a better mood. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I should I should really go back to that because. You know, I mean, like I said, I love a dog collar match. Um, and mm. everybody was saying, you know, and you don't see a lot of um, tag team dog collar matches. You don't. I can't remember the last one. I Besides Briscoe's and FTR, I can't remember the last one there was. Was that the first one? I don't know. I know. I'm trying to think off the top of my yeah, head. I, I haven't heard really of do any. Some research. I haven't heard of, of any like that. There may have been one somewhere in some long forgotten I mean, territory it must promotion. Have, right? At some point. Somebody had to have had that idea. Oh um, yeah. Otherwise otherwise Tony Khan gets credit for that one. Um, <laughs> Absolutely but, not. I know. But yeah, there's gotta be a tag team dog collar match out there somewhere and some historian who's listening to this who knows a lot more than me, they'd be yelling at the at their whatever equipment they're listening to this on. Yeah. About whichever match I'm you know, I'm forgetting about. But the first first dog collar match I ever saw and ever heard of was the Roddy Piper Greg Valentine match mm-hmm. from nineteen eighty three. And we're going way back here. And I remember getting this I remember like hearing about it and how brutal and violent it was, you know, and in here, you know, I'm expecting crazy stuff like ladders and tables and things like that in it. But you watch it and you're like, it's compared to like today's standards is very tame, mm-hmm. but it's one of those matches just because of the absolute brutality at the time. And the fact it was the first dog collar match on closed circuit or pay-per-view on a major national wrestling card. Right. You know, it, that's how it's remembered. And it's Roddy Piper and it's Greg Valentine, two absolute, legends going to war in this match and this is the match where valentine works over piper's ear with the dog collar busts his ear open i think piper had issues with his hearing and his ear like till the day he died because of this match jesus yeah valentine does his infamous tree fall thing where he just falls flat on his you know flat on his face and you you see the match they start and they're just they're standing at piper's at one end Valentine's at the other, the bell rings, and they're trying to use their necks to kind of like pull each other, you know, trying to like pull one toward the other. Yeah. And it's it's just a, it's a battle of wills. It really is. And it's, like I said, it's tame compared to like some of the stuff you see today, like tables and thumbtacks and all this, all this stuff. I'm not trying to say like, yes, you know, wrestling of 1983 is better than wrestling of 2024. Mm-hmm. Um because it's all about what happened at the time but if you haven't seen that match definitely go try to try to look it up somewhere yeah yeah it might be on youtube yeah it might be on the wwe youtube channel because i know they just throw random random matches up there sometimes like they'll throw a random match from raw like a random raw made event from like 10 years ago up there and forget it happened yeah but it's definitely a match if you haven't seen it go back and watch it yeah holy cow i'll give that a look man yeah so yeah anyway 
that whole Mad Dog Conley versus Demas thing got us got us onto a giant rant about dog collar matches. Worth it. Which I don't mind discussing because I think dog collar matches are crazy. They seem they look to me like they're really, really dangerous, so they make me nervous because of that. But same because you don't it's not something you see every day. Yeah. You don't see dog collar matches all the time in wrestling. And there's a good reason for that because they are extremely dangerous. Yeah. You could snap someone's neck like that because they're tied together by the neck with like a what 10 foot 16 foot chain so however long they say however long the chain is that given day you know they're basically they're tied together like by the neck like strap match but it's much more violent but i love color matches so yeah that's pretty much all i had to cover for today yeah i think i think that's a i think that's that's about what we have to touch on for today Mm -hmm. really crazy exciting stuff coming up definitely check stuff out re-up your iwtv subscription watch some independent wrestling Mm -hmm. um uh find a favorite and do a deep dive i have really enjoyed following ali around uh, since last we spoke, because I'm seeing promotions that I haven't seen before. Um, I'm seeing people that I haven't seen before. Um, and it's just a really, to me, that's just the best way to get into watching independent wrestling is uh, uh, picking picking a funky little dude and following him around everywhere. <laughs> funky little dude. A funky little dude. That's, that's the name of this. That's the name of this episode. A funky little dude. And I want to issue a challenge to everyone out there. Yes. For our next episode, everyone out there listening needs to find out what's in the box. What's in the box? What's exactly. in the box? What's in the box? More um, boxes. Join, uh, join us at Wrestling on Discord, and you know, give us your answers. Tell us what you have found in the box. Maybe a Christmas tree. Maybe, maybe a, an ex- extremely dangerous maybe Christmas tape. tree that should not be around children. A box with legs. Yeah. But yeah, give us your answers on the Discord at Wrestling. And until then, thank you for listening to On the Indies. Please check out the other podcasts on the Wrestling Network All Elite Listening, Flight of Five, Ace Techers, Ocean Cyclone Show, Provision, Tokyo Joshi Freedom Fighters, and Choco Cast. Plus our Patreon exclusive shows like Into the Wrestleverse, New Japan, and more. Check us out on Patreon or just search Wrestling wherever you listen to podcasts. You can not find me anywhere. Really, I don't exist. <laughs> uh, but you can find Adam all sorts of places. I know you can find me on Twitter at RyderAdam84 at History of HWA. Hmm, this feels like we should have mentioned that earlier when I was hmm, talking about. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, uh, and then my History of HWA. Uh, Sunday newsletter that goes out just covers a week in HWA history with with a uh, match of the week, title changes, historical results. You'll find all kinds of interesting things when you dive through those results. So people you didn't even know wrestled for HWA, they showed up. So anyway, um, in the meantime and in between time, that's it for this episode of On the Indies. Bye now. Bye-bye.